During the month of August, Colorado tried what many would feel was a bold experiment. The state collaborated with mass transit to encourage people to use public transportation instead of using their cars. Here's the thing. Traffic really sucks around here. Seriously, it's really bad. But the reason the Zero Fare for Better Air campaign was designed as an environmental campaign was to address the very real environmental concerns that Colorado and basically all the Western states are dealing with. A prolonged drought that has created destructive fire seasons for years now. But the fires aren't just burning shit down. They have a very real consequence related to decreased air quality. In fact, about a week ago from the time of this recording, the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, put Denver and the surrounding metro areas on notice regarding the poor air quality. It wasn't a surprise. So why am I talking about an environmental policy on a podcast that focuses on personal finance? Because in my view, that month of free transit was a financial initiative wrapped in environmental policy. In this short episode, I'm going to share some surprising takeaways from the Zero Fare for Better Air initiative and what other U.S. cities could learn about trying out policies such as this one. Do you have your passport yet? If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm always asking that question. How are you supposed to hop on a plane and head off to the Bahamas and that surprise trip with your boo without one? I used to work with international students and did immigration-related tasks. And when I tell you no government cares about your poor planning for that epic trip you'd like to go on, I'm really serious. They don't care. I'll never forget the U.S. government shutting down passport processing for seven months in 2020. I finally was able to renew my passport, and now I'm really excited about and looking forward to where I go to next. I'm trying to figure out how to optimize my rewards points in order to get super cheap or free tickets to fly overseas. It's been way too long. I use Travel Freely, a free app that helps users keep track of their rewards mileage points while sharing information on the good, the bad, and the ugly of travel rewards cards out there. My favorite thing about the Travel Freely app is that you don't have to put any personal information into the app in order to use the features. You don't have to put in your personal details, which rocks. I'm a proud affiliate of Travel Freely. For some more information, definitely go to michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash travel freely so that you can get started on your rewards mileage points journey. August, the state of Colorado somewhat clumsily rolled out the Zero Fare for Better Air campaign. I say this because I've noticed that they really focus on using social media for these things. But if you're 80, you might not necessarily be on social media. And this kind of program might have caught you off guard, which was something that I actually observed and noticed about the rollout. Anywho, the goal was to get citizens to lower their car usage, use public transit, and hopefully reduce some of the environmental impact of all of the exhaust, gas, etc. that keeps circulating in our air. Coloradans, as well as folks in Utah, California, Arizona, etc., have gotten used to looking at air quality alerts and the very real issues that come with having a mega drought for the past 20 years. It's been hard. Lack of water, massive fires, and everyone driving their freaking cars has become a recipe for bad air quality. What I was really personally struck by was that for me, the zero fare for better air 
program was a financial policy. In fact, I really think they made a mistake by not emphasizing the savings that people would incur by using free transit. I should mention also that the free fare was available in cities throughout the state of Colorado. It wasn't just in Denver. It was being done throughout the state. And so I think a lot of people don't realize that if they're familiar with this program. Denver's transit in particular is kind of expensive in comparison to other cities across the United States. It's a $6 round trip for a day pass within the city of Denver. You can take as many trips as you would like during that day, but it's still a little expensive over time if you don't have access to an employee provided transit pass or, or if you're attending a university or high school, that kind of thing, you do get a pass as well typically. But if you're outside of that, you're, you're paying out of pocket. You can purchase a, pa a pass at discount, um, but still they're not cheap. If you live further outside of the city center, it's $10.50 for a day pass. For example, if you were to take the bus from Denver to the city of Boulder. So when talking about having a month of free transit, for many families, this was actually a huge financial lifeline. It gave people wiggle room in their budgets at the same time that back to school was happening. And people were finding out that the free lunch policy that had been enacted during COVID had actually ended. There were people who had no idea that that free lunch policy was done until they were registering their kids and the schools were like, oh, hey, you owe this money. And they were like, holy shit. If you're going to work in person, five days a week at $6 a day for a month is about 120 bucks or 200 bucks a month for regional trips. That's a range of $1,400 to $2,400 a year just in transportation costs, not including the cost of gas if you're also driving your car, insurance for your car, maintenance, things like that. So transportation out here is really expensive. And that month of free transit was really important for a lot of people. By the way, in case you're wondering, the Zero Fare for Better Air program was paid for by reallocating some funds within the budget, as well as grants. There were a lot of grants that were used to pay for, for the fares that weren't collected. And I think that's something really important to, to point out. Here are some interesting takeaways from this experience. As a person who's in the personal finance space, I like to look at the money side, but also as a person who takes public transit. Fair enforcement. Free fare eliminated fair enforcement activities by transit police who were then able to focus on making sure that riders were safe, which is really, that should be their primary task. I'm often struck by the videos that come out of New York City, especially, it's always New York City, it feels like, with groups of transit cops chasing after someone who didn't or wasn't able to pay the fare. It just seems like such a waste of those resources and time when there are real violent crimes to protect people from. It feels like yet another way to get people involved in or put into the correction system. By the way, when you're taking the bus here, obviously you pay as you get on the bus. When you're on the train, you pay before getting on the train, but you're never really sure when fares will be checked. For every 10 rides that I go on, maybe even 15, maybe my fare will be checked. So it's just kind of a weird thing here where people pay and they do all that. And there you go. <laughs> like you, you do, you pay, you get on, but typically it's not being checked. It's, it's 
an interesting thing here in the city. I have seen people quietly escorted by transit police off the trains, but I'm always leery about the fair enforcement aspect of public transit. How public is public transit when people can't actually afford to use it? And I actually want to bring up another thing. I'll never forget being in Chicago and opting to take the train from like downtown to O'Hare. And that was literally like a 40 minute, 40 minute ride or like some crazy amount of time. And I think I paid like $4. So there's also that. Ease of use. I loved how I just had to get on the train or bus and just go to my destination. There was no concern about anything beyond arriving on time safely. And I loved it. I also noticed that because there were no fair enforcement measures in place because it was free, it made things easier for the drivers and the train engineers. They, they also didn't have to deal with fair enforcement activities. They just had to focus on getting us to the next point safely. People were genuinely so excited about the program and rediscovering using transit. COVID really did a number on public transportation usage and the zero fare program was a great way to get people excited about doing something for the social good while helping themselves at the same time. It was a A lot of fun to hear people on the train talking about why they were taking the train for the first time or, you know, like the first time in a long time and that kind of thing. And also to see people's social media posts about their experiences becoming reconnected with the train again. And I did notice more people using the transportation that I was on. So I did notice people on the trains. I don't know what the final numbers will be, but I was definitely like paying attention. There is something that I need to point out, which was an unintended consequence. What I was struck by was the fact that we do have the money to allocate towards transformative policies that positively impact citizens. In fact, the state of New Mexico was has begun testing out a year-long zero fare initiative that will end in June of 2023. Literally, transportation's free. They're testing it out right now. In fact, there is no way that you could convince me that this isn't possible in a city the size of Denver. I've been taking notes. As we provided a child tax credit that helped millions of families across the United States, it was so helpful. And then, oh, wait, they eliminated it. That makes no sense. We provided free disease mitigation initiatives for COVID. I received free in-person COVID testing provided by the state of Colorado. I think I went three times and I got so many free COVID tests. It's hilarious. Like I've gotten so many free tests from the state of Colorado, as well as from the United States government via US, uh, United States Postal Service. I just requested them online. They arrived at my house. This is not the first time that my life has been saved, by the way, by the government. I should also point out I got the vaccine for free as well as boosters. I'm about to get my next booster at the end of this week. When I was seven, I had to undergo undergo a year of treatment tuberculosis. Yes, I'm being serious. I used to live in Japan. The doctors at the time thought that I was exposed to it in Japan. And then when I was uh, here, the tuberculosis became active, basically. 
And so my mom took me to the doctor because I was like, mom, you know, I she noticed I was having this little cough. But with kids, you never know. Like, you don't know if they're just playing around. But it kept like I kept doing it. And then one day I told her that I tasted blood in my mouth. And then she took me to the hospital and they're like, oh, shit, this kid needs to be isolated. So they almost took me from my mom and put me in the hospital for a year. This was a big deal. So instead, she was like, no, you're not going to do that. What is the other option? So for a year, the U.S. government, the city that I was living in, provided me with massive pills. I remember this. I am well beyond seven years old. I remember taking those pills. And then my mom had to take me to the hospital every single week. And I think it was every Friday I had to get scanned. I had to get x-rays to make sure that I uh, that the tuberculosis wasn't active and that it wasn't impacting my lung capacity for a year. This happened and it was free for my mom. Free lunch for school aged children. In fact, the state of Colorado will be voting on making this a permanent measure in the upcoming November 2022 election. Obviously, if you've listened to my show, I am voting yes on that. I don't even have kids. It just seems like an easy thing to do. Feed kids. They're kids. Did you know? Actually, this is kind of an interesting thing that in in the 1930s, the owner of Kellogg's, you know, the cereal company decided to implement a six hour workday and paid workers fairly like they they really compensated them well. It was a hugely popular program. And then they got rid of it. <laughs> the highly popular Paycheck Protection Program, PPP Loan Forgiveness Program enacted in 2022, and the stimulus payment. So again, I'm talking about policies that help people that are popular that apparently we've been able to find money for that have helped to transform people's lives. I bring this all up to say that the unintended consequence of these successful initiatives is showing that there is proof that they work, that these policies work, and there is proof that there is actual cash money for them. Let me say this again. There is proof that these policies work, and there's proof that we have the money to make these programs happen. People will often make the argument that if people receive some of these basic benefits, that they won't be motivated, won't work as hard, etc. This couldn't be further from the truth. So similar to the conversations around student loan forgiveness that I've had all summer long, I'll include a link in the show notes. These policies allow people to make different, more empowered financial decisions in their lives, to invest, to save money, to take that trip they've been dreaming of, or shop at the locally owned boutique that's run by you. These policies almost always have a positive ripple effect, and you can't convince me otherwise. You can't. Now I will fight for year-round free transit because I know that it's possible. I thank you for listening to this episode. What are your thoughts? 